Hello there, pod people, and welcome to another episode of the Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies, the aspirational podcast for the ever so slightly hopeless. Like myself, your host, Donna Scott. Um, I think we're actually on episode 12. My goodness, the 12th episode of this. How are you? I am feeling amazing. I've had such a good weekend and such a good day today. I can't wait to tell you all about it. So, in order to give you a bit of an idea of the shape of the weekend that I've just had, I'm just going to play a clip, which is a conversation between myself and that man, Neil K. Bond. So, BristolCon is now over. We've, mm. <laughs> we've come for a little walk in Bristol just before we leave. And we're now sitting uh, on the Redcliffe Quay on a section of the river known as Welshback. And we're at the memorial to people who have served at sea throughout the ages, which is um, some very curved... They, they died, did die eventually. All the people on the bench are dead but they didn't die at sea. I was like, this looks like, like some horrible tragedy, but they're just, they're just very old captains. Can I just point out, it's the people on the plaques, not the people on the benches. That are <laughs> <laughs> yes, all the people on the benches, <laughs> it's us, we are very much alive. There are some pigeons here, they are alive. There are some a dozen s- dead tramps. <laughs> some seagulls, <laughs> they are alive. This one might be dead. Um, the, the, it's alive, it's flapping. Uh, yeah, so Bristol's really pretty, isn't it? Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, it's really, really nice. Beautiful city. Yeah, there's lots of. It's really cool to live back. So just passing businesses that have got like environmental concerns and they're on the river. Imagine being a really cool Bristolian, going to work in your ethical environmental office every day and looking out at the river, going, "Yeah, I'm just going to go and get a coffee from." The really cool hipster cafe over there now. I'm so cool. I cycled here. <laughs> or go onto a boat and get a burger from the Three Brothers Burger Company. Not five guys. Three Not brothers. Guys. Three brothers. Three <laughs> brothers. Or the cider boat, which is very, very lovely, always old, although we've not actually been. No, I've not been to cider boat. Oh, but so nice, isn't it? It's autumnal, because it is autumn, so the river's got lots of golden flat. Leaves or flowers. Yeah, <laughs> Again, I'm just con- really obsessed with death here. Like there, there, is, there are reeds on the water. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it beautiful? Yeah. So I'm gonna take Neil to go and visit um, another place of death in a minute. Well, it is nearly Halloween. I'm gonna go and show you the ruins of St Peter's. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Oh, but before we go, what did you think of BristolCon? Loved it. Really, really, really good. Uh, it seems to be a lot less people because there was twice as many rooms, so everyone was a lot more spread out. Um, but no, I, I, some nice faces that we normally see at conventions weren't there, um, which is a bit sad. But the people that were there were bloody lovely and had a good time and good catching up with good people like Gareth and Neil and Gemma and Becky and everybody. It was really good. Yeah. We sadly missed Gareth L. Powell's guest of honour interview because it clashed with the rugby. Yay! (laughs) And England got into the final and we beat New Zealand. That was brilliant. Yeah. Oh, there's a boat passing now. It's one of those glass viewing boats. It's got like two... It's got two passengers. Three passengers. I didn't see the lady and 
Yeah, someone at the bar, someone driving. That's it. It's huge. <laughs> I want to be a tourist. Here's Bristol. You are a tourist. Oh, yeah, I am. <laughs> I want to be a tourist on a boat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I love coming to Bristol. I, I, I hate conventions that are in airport hotels. Because, I mean, I love science fiction and everything, and I love the opportunity to meet all the science fiction people. Yeah, it's great to see all, all the authors and the publishers and everybody and our friends. It's all really good, and the fans. Yeah. It's really nice. But that's awesome, but what I really hate is paying £8 for a cider. Sandwich. <laughs> £8. How much was the sandwiches yesterday? Uh, they were £4 for a, a, a very staid baguette. <laughs> Which, you know, is actually reasonable for a convention in a hotel. For a convention in a hotel, was it? Yeah, but... It was yeah. nearly £5 a pint. Yeah, I mean, fancy London prices everywhere yeah. these days. But, yeah, so I really hate that sort of feeling of being trapped in a hotel and you can't get out and... And if you did get out, you, you'd be, like, surrounded by, like, a massive fence and airplanes going over your head. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I hate those conventions. But we've had some fantastic cities like Bristol and Scarborough was very pretty and interesting yeah. to go around. Chichester, was Chichester? Chester last Chester. year was amazing was at Fantacon. Yeah. Really nice. yeah. yeah. Roman ruins all around the town. Indeed. Did I say Roman and ruins both with a W there? Yes. <laughs> well, this is the voice you can hear on radio soon. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because I've got my interview tomorrow. Live on BBC Radio Northampton. With Helen Blaby. <laughs> for one hour. Yeah. So as, as I'm recording this, that's, that's in the future. I don't know when we're going to put this podcast together. So by the time you're listening, it'll be in the past. It might be in the past. You might be listening to the future in the past. How science fiction's that? <laughs> <laughs> very, very good. Yeah. And it means like, these pigeons, they're everywhere. We were being encouraged. It's not like the birds. It's Alfred Hitchcock here. <laughs> they're coming closer. They're getting braver and braver, aren't they? Flipping heck. <laughs> they are fat. They are so fat. There's, with, a, I suppose, the environment they're in, where they, they not only can partake the various fast food <laughs> venues <laughs> around the area, but also the... the the food of the sea. <laughs> the food of the sea. Fruit, fruit de la mer, fruit de la forêt. Chomping on the clam. Yeah. Oh, good grief. <laughs> oh. The feds have arrived. They're going into aqua. <laughs> oh, tr- trouble at aqua. We better move on then, if there's going to be some trouble. <laughs> Absolutely, we don't be arrested again. <laughs> okay, so this is the end of this conversation and we may pick up later. Okay. Bye, everybody. Bye. Indeed, just as we described, that future is now in the past. And I had my BBC Radio Northampton interview today for the BBC New Voices competition because I am down to the final ten. Yeah. So that must mean I've got nine competitors and they're all going to get their interviews this week. And I, for some reason, elected to go first. Mind you, I think I've set quite a level, quite a bar for them to have to get past. So good luck, guys, whoever you are. 
probably the lady with the cake. Yeah, there was a lady who took a cake to the auditions. <laughs> I tell you who needs a cake after auditions? Me. I just bought a massive cheesecake. And no, I'm not ashamed. I've had one piece. I won't have a second piece in a minute. And that is my reward for having done quite well at this interview malarkey. I have to say, I am pretty pleased. I think I really did okay. And I have really enjoyed going and speaking to Helen Blaby today. So I would appreciate it if you guys could all cross your fingers and toes for me and your eyes and your legs and try not to pee. Because um, I'm trying not to pee. I'm so excited. I can hardly contain myself. But as you also heard, I have been to Bristol this weekend to attend BristolCon. I had an amazing time. Thank you very much. Um, I've been looking at everybody else's pictures since I've come back as well. And do you know what? I'm quite miffed because Mark Lawrence was there and I'm currently reading his second book in his trilogy called Grey Sister and it's amazing. And if I'd known he was there, then I would have gone up to him and fawned and gone oh, I love your book but I did not so I suppose it's probably a good job that I didn't then <laughs> but yeah I'm reading that book at the moment I'm taking part in the 25 book challenge at the library so this is a library book but I'm thinking of going and buying the book after anyway because it's such a good series mind you I've got so many things to read now I've picked up a load of books at the convention didn't cost me very much money. I, I bought uh, a copy of uh, the second edition of um, Ship, Air, Airship Shape and Bristol Fashion, which is an anthology by Bristolian science fiction writers. And um, I think Neil also bought something. I think he bought a Spider-Man graphic novel. But apart from that, everything else we've got was on the freebie table so it's things that people have read and they're passing on for somebody else to read which is lovely of people because I'm surrounded by books here and I'm like I love you too much to let you go sometimes I let them go but sometimes I, I just think I'm not gonna let you go also my to be read my to be read pile is enormous it would probably kill me <laughs> if it fell over and it's likely to because it's in several different piles all around my head But I've got a bit of a treat for you coming up right now. While I was at BristolCon, I interviewed a couple of my friends who were there, including the guest of honour, Gareth L. Powell, and my good friend, Neil Bynan, who gave me a copy of The Scarred God, which is a book that he has now released, and it's amazing. I have worked on it, and it's got a beautiful cover, and I will put some links for that in the bottom bit of the podcast information so that you can all go and find it. So coming up are those two interviews right now. Right, so I'm here at BristolCon with my good friend Gareth L. Powell and you are the guest of honour. I am, yes, hello. <laughs> so how does it feel to be guest of honour? Oh, it's nice to have people making a fuss of me for the day. That's cool. You're a long-term friend of BristolCon, aren't you? I am, yes. I've been to every single one since it started. So. How long has that been? Ten years. Ten years, well. And you're local to here, aren't you? 
Yes, yeah, just, uh, just up the road. So it's nice to have a convention on my doorstep that yeah. doesn't involve a huge long train journey or aeroplane flight. Yeah, have there been a few of those lately? There have been quite a few of those lately, yeah. We were watching you travel. Where was the last place you went? Croatia. Croatia. So what was that in aid of? Uh, I was guest of honour at a convention in uh, Rijeka, um, which is on the Adriatic coast. So um, it was very similar to BristolCon, actually, except everyone obviously spoke Croatian. Um, but yeah, it was good. It was, um, it was a lot of fun and the nice people out there. Kept me entertained and fed for five days. So, so, is it, so have you, you, you imagine your, your books have been translated into Croatian, yeah. yes? So, and what, what language have you got in your books now? So many, you imagine? Um, German, French, Italian, Russian, Japanese, Czech, and Croatian. Wow. I think, think that's all of them, yeah. And this, yeah, you said French, you said French. I, I, I should get that. Les Bresse de Guerre yes. is one of your, your titles in French, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, and English, of course. Yeah. <laughs> the BSFA award-winning novel. Yes, yes, so, that was nice. Yeah, that was nice. So you've won two BSFA awards now. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I'm really proud of the BSFA awards because they're kind of um, they're voted for by readers and like British readers, and, and so it's like getting a, a sort of round of applause from the home team. You know, from the you know from the not the home team, the home audience. You know, so it's um, that that means a lot, really. So, in support of, in terms of your support for, for Bristolcon, you're being a very local writer. This is this is kind of like this is the annual thing. This is the big thing, but you do lots of events around the year, don't you? Yeah, the, I think um, Bristolcon um, did a deal with the council or somebody anyway that they would provide um, ongoing community events so they do what's called the Bristol Con Fringe which is a series of reading every month where one sort of established writer and one newbie writer will um, sort of read in a local pub and people will come and for free um, to watch it and uh, that's, that's good so I've done that a couple of times as well. You don't find it daunting all the audiences coming to listen to you are you I used to because I'm a natural introvert and I get used to get you know I didn't used to like talking on the phone let alone in public so it's something I've had to learn over the last 10 years or so of just getting into rooms and being comfortable with people staring at me I usually just make jokes <laughs> stop keep them laughing stops them lynching me I often find that helps as well yeah <laughs> for some reason covers up the nerves so, is Bristol a very science fiction-y kind of city, do you think? It is, yes, definitely. There's definitely a, a sci-fi scene here at the moment. We've got, there's myself, there's um, uh, Jonathan Howard, there's uh, Emma Newman, there's just quite a few sci-fi writers. And the fact that the Bristol Conference is filled with writers every um, every month, there's like Kevin Scott, uh, Paul Cornell's just up the road now as well, so you see a lot of him, Peter Hamilton's just down the road. So yeah, it's quite a, a sci-fi city, and also it's a city built on like building stuff for the future, like with Brunel and all that development. So we've got the SS Great Britain here, and when that was built, that was the largest man-made 
metal object in the world, and it was also, I think, the fastest um, uh, vehicle in the world as well at the time. It was like um, it was like a version of Concorde. It was just fast, and no one could believe how fast it was because it was iron hulled and uh, steam powered, and it had that, a great propeller. So everyone was like, "Whoa, that's amazing!" And then they took it out on its maiden voyage and crashed it into Ireland. So less amazing, but it was. Um, it's, it's part of Bristol's always been a jumping off spot because being a port city, so it's always been kind of on the edge of the world. So people come and go, and pirates and, and all sorts. Um, so yeah, it's very much a, a city that is. I think it reminds me a lot of Amsterdam in some ways. Bristol, it's got that cultural kind of energy and built around the waterways and trade and, and so forth. So yeah, yeah, it's also a very beautiful city, and I think the arts focus of the city really shines through because of all the banksy things that are around town and it seems to be very much a cultural hub absolutely i was reading a a survey yesterday actually about um cultural life in european cities and i think bristol came second in cities with population between 200,000 and 500,000 um as the most culturally vibrant I, i came two places above brighton so it's, um, there's a lot going on here. There's the music, there's the art, there's the street art. Um, and there are lots of mainstream as well as genre literary events going on. I mean, this month is the Bristol Literary Festival is going on at the moment while we speak as well. No, are you taking part in that? No, not this year. No. Oh, they should have you. Uh, they, they, they had me a couple of years ago. Oh. But um, this, is, uh, so this is Bristol Con. This is like their disreputable genre side. So. Oh, we, we like being the alternative side of things. <laughs> yeah. So you've also got a book coming out with Luna Press, or has come out with Luna Press on writing, haven't you? Yes, yeah. So it's your, your, your wisdom on the process of I, I writing. distilled my wisdom. Uh, yeah. Like fine whiskey. <laughs> yes. Basically, yeah, basically it's a collection of um, sort of blog posts um, and other articles as well as like useful little snappy phrases that... Um, of stuff I've learned over the years since I started learning. It's all stuff that nobody taught me in my creative writing class and so on. So that's why it's called a field guide for writers because it's stuff I learned out in the field and hopefully will help them negotiate their way through the same process. Yeah, and you're also quite big on like helping fans out online as yeah. well. And you have quite a, quite a following on, on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, so hundreds of people, hundreds of thousands of people. Well, not quite that many. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I'm a belie- big believer in you, you get back what you put out. So if you've put out lots of anger and negativity online, that's what you're going to get in return. So I just try and help people. And um, it's, uh, you know, when I was a, a teenager, um, I met Diana Wynne Jones and she gave me a really good critique of one of my short stories and told me how to you know how to make it better and, and it's I like to feel that I'm doing this sort of giving back in the same way as just like just helping people just giving them a nudge maybe some advice that may or may not be useful to them so, okay. so and what would you say is your, your proudest creative achievement in your career so far oh blimey um in my creative career so far I don't know there's, there's been a few I mean I I got a a uh, um, comic strip in 2000 AD a few years ago which I think my nine-year-old self would have thought was the best thing ever um, which is pretty amazing and, and obviously the, the awards we've already spoken about 
But I think the best thing is when you just get feedback from readers who are just like, oh, I, I was in hospital for two weeks and I read your book and it was really helped and stuff. Or, you know, I read your book when I was on holiday and had a great time. And just stuff like that makes you think, yeah, people are actually reading and enjoying this stuff. So that's, you know, that, that's the best feeling, I think. I imagine then it was like I was reading your book on holiday. I fell off a cliff. <laughs> I don't know where it's going. So somebody, t- somebody tweeted me yesterday that they missed their stop on the tube because they were reading about writing and got so engrossed in it. So. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> yeah, easy done. Easy yeah. done. We've okay. all done it. <laughs> all right. Um, thank you very much for talking to me. Oh, thank you, Dana. Isn't he lovely? So that's my friend Gareth L. Powell, and you can find out more about his work on his website, which is garethlpowell.com. His books, from start to finish, include The Last Reef, Silver Sands, Entropic Angel, The Recollection, then the Ak Ak Macaque trilogy, uh, one of which won the first of his BSFA awards, his non-fiction book about writing, then he has his novella Ragged Alice, Embers of War, Fleet of Knives and Light of Impossible Stars, which are all part of his fantastic space opera trilogy. And I'm spoiling you because now is an interview with my other good friend, Neil Bynan. So I've got another fabulous guest here at Bristol Con, and this is my good friend Neil Bynan. Yay, hello. 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 So, Neil, you're here having just released... Your your first book, yes. Yes, yeah. My so, novel, The Scarred God. So you've done, so you've gone and published this yourself, yes. Yes, yeah. I, I've uh, formed a, a little publishing company that publishes one author, which is me. Um, <laughs> so uh, Hanny S in Press um, uh, has put out The Scarred God. Yes, and I suppose I should say disclaimer: I was involved in the editorial process of this. Correct. <laughs> yes. Uh, so uh, I think it's an amazing book. Good. But I am biased. <laughs> yeah, well, I obviously think it's a good book as well, which is why I, I, I wanted to kind of back myself and put it out. Um, and um, yeah, it's it's a book I've been like a lot of authors. I think they spend a lot of time working on their first or second books. Um, they're kind of passion projects, and this was mine. And I decided that uh, I would. Um, put it out there even if it only ever finds a small audience I think I'd, I'd rather have it out in the world than sat in a drawer. Well it definitely deserves to be out there and free and people should buy it. There's Thank you. So how many of these Bristol cons have you been to now? Um, I've been to most of them I missed uh, I think one year uh, which was my uh, tr- uh, bad year <laughs> which, uh, as I refer to it which was 2013 um, but other than that, we've been pretty much at, at all of them, and I think both our children, it, this was their first con when they were very little, and we just could easily travel around with them uh, on, you know, one or either leg. <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's fairly local to you now-ish? Yes, so um, when we first started going, we were in London, and we, but we have lots of family in South Wales, and so that we would come back to Wales and then do the con at the end of the trip. And now we live back in Wales. It's literally just over the bridge, so yeah. easy to get to, and lovely to have something out this way. It must be lovely living over there. Yeah, I gather you still do a lot of travelling to the big smoke. 
Yes, I do. Yeah, so I spend a lot of time on the um, Swansea to London train uh, in either direction. So uh, for, for my day job. But living in Wales now, do you feel that has helped you, sort of like with your your writing and your creative process? Uh, yes, I. Um, it's a different pace of life to when I was in London, and um, just uh, there's more space, like. If you get blocked writing, I think it's always helpful to either have something else to go and do or to go for like a long walk or something like that. And it's just a lot nicer to go for that long walk when you're like by a beach or um, able to go up into the hills, that kind of thing. It just makes it a lot uh, yeah. more pleasant. Yeah. Yeah, having visited you this year, um, I was really, really thrilled to know that you were just down the road from a place which we know out in the world of science fiction fandom as Bad Wolf Bay. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's uh, really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> what's, it's really, what's its real name? Um, it has a couple of names. So it's um, known as Southern Down to most people who are uh, local. So um, that's kind of how you would refer to it if you were living in the area. But Dunraven Bay as well is the other uh, name for it. So um, many years ago, um, the, on the top of the cliffs, uh, there used to be a, an old manor house and it was owned by a family, the Dunravens, and that's kind of where the name comes from. So, yeah. so that's very local to you. Yes, it is, yeah. I, I, it was slightly, a lot of Doctor Who gets shot around that area because they shoot a lot of it in Cardiff and um, we have quite a lot of very picturesque and atmospheric scenery near us. So um, they've shown up in various places um, in Doctor Who and also in Sherlock when they were shooting that so I, the last episode of Sherlock was very weird for me because they shot it very near a place on the river where I nearly died a few uh, sort of 20 years ago oh my goodness so, what, how did you nearly die I, I fell into the river um, and that's a tidal river so that was the first problem I was fully clothed at the time which was the second problem and the third was that it's uneven in terms of the riverbed, so um, I fell in, but I also fell like down into a like, big hole, basically, um, and uh, I had to be pulled out by my mates. Oh, good grief! <laughs> so, but I was fine. It was all all ended, but that was just out of shot from where um, a, a scene was shot in Sherlock. Not the Riker backfalls. No, no. It was the <laughs> Although it would have been good if it had been that. No, it was, um, it, it was just a river, riverside scene. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah, had the chance to become an extra yet in Doctor Who? No, because I'm never there. That's the problem. I, I'm, I'm back and forth all the time, but um, they, they do shoot stuff all the time. It would be quite nice to appear as extras and stuff, but um, I'd need to be at home a bit more for that, I think. So, what have you got planned for today at BristolCon? Uh, so I'm doing a reading later um, from the Scarred God and I am on a panel about uh, mythic beasts top trumps. So we're going to be talking about what our favourite mythical beasts are and um, there may be one or two of them that, that pop up in that book as well. Uh, awesome. Thank you very much, Neil. Thanks, Donna. Thanks. So, Neil, we've made it. We've got to St Peter's, the ruined church, and we're having a look inside. Looks like they're shoring it up to make it safe so that people can walk in again and visit the ruins and walk among them. And uh, what the heck is that? <laughs> that? That's bags and bags of manure. What the heck is manure doing here? <laughs> to reinvigorate the zombies. 
Oh dear. <laughs> well, there's a bit of a mystery, isn't it? So, if anyone knows why there might be about 60 bags of manure in the ruins of St Peter's Church, please let us know in the comments. Oh, so what do you think of St Peter's? It's pretty, isn't it? Very nice. I'm imagining that this was destroyed during the Blitz because there were some clues here. Like the plaque saying it was destroyed in the Blitz. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, it never it doesn't specifically say it was destroyed in the Blitz. It's like they're saying, oh, in memory of people who died in the Blitz and it's on a very bombed looking building. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm drawing that conclusion. I can see there's, there's gargoyles. The gargoyles are still there. That's awesome. It does look like the roof's just collapsed in, so it's probably yeah. a, a fire of some sort. Well, after the bomb hit it. <laughs> yeah, and there's still like lots of lovely gardens around the edge of the church. Because if someone comes here and does this up, these look like herbs. I could, that, that's dill, yeah. That's dill, yeah. That's mint. And that looks like comfrey. That's lovely. And these are some lavender. It's very, it's very, what you call a, a sensory garden. What, rosemary and chives over there. Oh, lovely. Num, num, num. Is it lunchtime? <laughs> Pretty close. Oh. I'm, I'm in a, just in front of a window and it says, in memory of Richard Savage, poet, buried near this spot, August the 2nd. 1743. I'm going to have to look at Richard Savage, poet of Bristol. Paul's granddad. Paul's granddad, yeah. <laughs> ah, this is called the, the Castle Park Physic Garden, cared for by St Mungo's, supported by Joe Malone Limited. So, yes, yeah, St Mungo's is the charity um, with, for the homeless that has shelters. So that's, that's cool, isn't it? Very cool. And this is a lovely water feature. Japanese? Yeah. This is just beautiful. Peace garden, isn't it? Yeah. Well, it's very appropriate considering how this church got destroyed. It's like a long channel of water. At one end looks like a kind of like lotus flower design. And this is going into another water feature at the end with a sculpture. Um, and it's like got some... Yeah, some labyrinthine circles running around it. It looks like a giant That's pine a cone. Oh my god, there's a condom. <laughs> condom fish. Neil is now walking around the, the maze. <laughs> we have avoided the condom. Could be a pine cone, could be a pineapple, I'm not sure. What do you think it is? Can't say. <laughs> Yeah, so that was the uh, building I came to show you. And it's very nice. Yeah, and there's like the old well of the city, St Edith's Well is next to it as well. Um, so it's, it's St Edith's Well or Eddie Well. And because the church is St Peter's, it used to be powered by Peter's Pump. <laughs> That's what it says. See, you just can't take us anywhere. So that's been my lovely week weekend. Bristol Con Convention, Bristol the City, and an audition for BBC Radio Northampton. I hope you've very much enjoyed this podcast, and if you have, please like it, share it, and I'd love 
more than a couple of reviews, please, on iTunes. Please, some people have loads. I haven't got any. Got two. Please, please review. Thank you very much. Um, thanks for listening. This is Donna Scott signing out. You've been listening to The Lemonade Budget for Champagne Social Butterflies with Donna Scott. Theme music was It Looks Like the Future But It Feels Like the Past by Dr Turtle.